Today will be a little different. We're going to take a little detour from 2 Samuel. So at the end of this most recent LFBI semester, um, I knew that I needed to just take some time to just get quiet with the Lord and hear from the Lord on some things and, and just put everything before Him. I think we all know that you know, if you have a large ministry plate, uh, one of the biggest challenges with that is doing a number of things well. It's, it's a very hard thing to do uh, when you've got a number of irons in the fire. So I needed to hear from the Lord on everything that He has entrusted to me for His glory. And, and one of the things that is involved in that for sure is life fellowship. So I wanted to hear from the Lord in terms of what he would say to me about life fellowship. So I put a number of things before him and, and just, you know, here it is, Lord, and I'll trust you to respond and speak to me about all this as you see fit. And, and he most certainly did that. It's one of the reasons that I'm such an advocate for the quiet time. I can't tell you how many times over the years God has answered prayer. God has spoken to me very directly about my family, about ministry, all of that, and he most certainly did that here in terms of, of what God revealed to me, uh, spoke to me about Life Fellowship. As a matter of fact, I, I'm not sure I can even, and I won't be able to convey all of it to you, but I think there are some, some things that I, I think we need to hear. Uh, so we're going to look at this as kind of a life update today. We're just going to get an update on, on where we are and where we need to go, and uh, so I'm going to kind of invite you into the living room of my heart to just hear from the Lord and how I've been hearing from the Lord as it pertains to life fellowship. We're going to be in Joshua 17. And what we see here in Joshua 17 is we see the remainder of the inheritance of the land that is given to the, the tribe of Manasseh, right? So the eastern half of the tribe had already received their inheritance. So you had the rest of the tribe that needed to receive theirs on the other side of the Jordan. And so that tribe, that half tribe of Manasseh would share this land or this allotment with the tribe of Ephraim. As the tribe of Joseph, Ephraim would settle in the south and Manasseh would settle in the north. And that brings us to Joshua 17 and verse 14. And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. So Manasseh was the firstborn son of Joseph, and Ephraim was the second son that was born to Joseph. And being the size of a tribe and a half, they made a decent-sized tribe. It was a large tribe, if you would. And they felt like, given their size, that their land allotment should have been bigger. They felt that they should have been given more. So verse 14, they complain about it. And essentially, what they were asking Joshua was, is this it? Is this all you're giving us? Don't you understand that we're, a we're the size of a tribe and a half? Uh, shouldn't we get more? In their opinion, uh, that's where they 
landed or thought. So, and one of the principles that I need to share with you in terms of one of the things that the Lord shared with me as it pertains to life fellowship, um, and this will, this will help all of us in life fellowship, and it will help all of us beyond life fellowship, including in our homes. But here's the first thing I want to talk about this morning, and that is this. We all must manage our expectations. This is so critical. We all must manage our expectations. A little boy received a Superman cape uh, for his, one of his birthday presents, and he threw it on and he ran outside as quickly as he could and spent quite a bit of time running and jumping and trying to test it out. And he finally came back inside and he was frustrated and he took that cape and he threw it on the floor and he said, it doesn't matter how hard I try, I can't get this stupid thing to work. Right? He had the expectation that what he saw on television uh, was going to be his reality. He's going to put this cape on and, and he's just going to fly all over the place. And that's not what happened. The reality is, as adults, when we have expectations, we often find ourselves right here, don't we? As frustrated and disappointed as this little boy was. Unmet expectations. And expectations are very harmful in ministry when you consider some of the things that are consistent with people who have them. People who have expectations make ministry very difficult. Let me share some of those with you. People who have expectations typically make a big deal out of small things. Everything is a big deal. Everything is a fire drill. Everything is, is life or death. We got to get excited. We got to have fireworks over the slightest little thing. Because they had an expectation, it didn't go their way, and so they have got to make sure you know it. They believe others should know what they're thinking. I mean, you should know what I'm thinking. You should know what I desire. You should know what makes me happy. You should know what would have been good or best or what would have pleased me here. They often feel let down by others. Often. Consistently, they struggle with anger and bitterness. They struggle to see the good and best in others. And that's because, again, they're always disappointed. And so when they struggle with feeling disappointed all the time, how can you see the good and best in others? All you can really see is, is well, they let me down here, they let me down there, I'm disappointed here, I'm disappointed there. They tend to be very critical and inflexible. It's got to be a certain way. And if it's not that, that's a problem. And they are ungrateful. I mean, think about it. Like, hey, we're in the land. Look, look at what God's given us. Can we not just be thankful? Hey, praise the Lord. Look at what we have. Thank you. Thank you for this allotment of land. No, it's this is all we got. You're not going to give us more? 
It's interesting. I, listen, I don't look down on anybody. I, I know how hard life can be, but from time to time we deal with people, uh, people who pass by. And <laughs> not long ago, uh, during the week, guy knocks on the door and, you know, he's looking for help. He, he's hungry. And so I, I go in, I take a sack and I just load it up with food. And I bring it out and give it to him, and he looks in it, and he goes, there's not a sandwich in here? <laughs> I was like, you're not my son, are you? Because <laughs> if you were, <laughs> my son wouldn't do that. But um, I said, no, there's no sandwich in there, but there's some food in there. And I shared the gospel with him and sent him on his way. It's just interesting. But listen... In Life Fellowship, if we have just a handful of people like this who have expectations, it will poison the whole group. It'll poison the whole group because that attitude will poison all of us. That spreads so fast. Let me just give you a verse that I think will help you, help me, to best manage our expectations. If we agree with God here, we win. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. If your expectation is not from Him, if your expectation is from people, then yes, those things that we talked about are things that you're going to struggle with. You're going to struggle with not feeling let down all the time. You're going to struggle with being critical. You're going to struggle with being ungrateful. You're you're going to struggle with all that. Why? Because you have placed people in the place of God. Your expectation needs to be from Him, not people. This is not to encourage anyone to become cynical, but, but you do need to do this math. Eventually, people can only let you down. Why? Because they're people. They're imperfect. And that's true of you, by the way. Eventually, you're going to let someone down. You're going to let your spouse down. You're going to let your kids down. Well, welcome to reality. Welcome to humanity. I'm sorry. I wish... I wish I, I wish I never would let you down. I know I have. I'm human. I'm sorry. I can't be any more than that. And neither can you. But hear this. Where this becomes problematic is that people who have expectations think unrealistically. They're just unrealistic in their thinking. They are. So, when you're unrealistic in your thinking, this is what people will do in church, what they have done. They will look for a church, they will look for a ministry, they'll look for a group that they can be a part of where all of their expectations are going to be met and they are never going to be disappointed. So here's the thing, and I mean this. When you find that church... When you find that group, let me know and I will come join it. When you find that marriage, let me know. When you find those children, let me know. 
It doesn't exist. I'm sorry. That's unrealistic. The best way to manage our expectations is to have them of God who is perfect in every way. He's perfect in every way. No one else is. So we continue to the second thing, and this is where we're going to spend the most of our time, and this is where the Lord really dealt with me. And I, if, if so, if, if, I could, if I could recruit you this morning to help me, we're light today, lighter than normal. I don't know why life happens, I guess, but, but if you could, if, if, if you're in Life Fellowship, this is, if you're not here, you need to hear this what we're talking about today, right? And, and so if you could help me get the word out, hey, if you weren't in life today, can you make sure you get online and, and get, get this, right? Joshua 17, verse 15, And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants of Mount Ephraim, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. So what happens is, is when people murmur and complain about unmet expectations, their expectation in that is that they're going to be heard and then people are now going to scramble to now meet their demands to ensure that they're happy, to ensure that they're okay now. I mean, that, that, that's really the expectation of what happens when people murmur and complain about things like, okay, so you heard me, right? So now you're going to move heaven and earth to make sure I'm happy. So in this case, the children of Joseph thought, well, you know what, Joshua, so you've heard us now. So you're going to go back and you and God are going to work this thing out and we're going to get more land, right? That's not what happened. It's not what Joshua did. And he did not bow to the other men's because he saw the pride and immaturity in their demands. He did. And his response exposed it. The reality was, they actually had more land. That was the reality. Notice what he said. Then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself. You want more land? Go work for it. Go get it. Go do the work. It's right there. Go, go for it. You're a great people. I, I agree. There's a lot of you. Put everybody to work. That was the problem, though. They wanted more land, but they were disinterested in doing what it took to get it. Just give it to me. And this is where the Lord really gripped my heart. And I pray that he grips yours this morning. Because here's the second thing. As it relates to life fellowship, we must be willing to do the hard work of evangelism. We must be willing to do the hard work of evangelism. Joshua told them to get up to the wood country and cut down. 
that meant they had to cut down some trees. They had to go after the trees. They had to go get the trees, clear them out so they could have more land. We understand that in our Bible, trees are a picture of the souls of men. Look at Mark chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So for us in Life Fellowship, uh, we don't have a space problem. Not right now anyway. This space is tight for Kaya, but it is more than enough room for us. Which brings me to address a sentiment that I know lingers throughout MBT. I know this for for sure. I know this to be true. I've heard it. Uh, This sentiment is held by a number of adults in the Sunday fellowships outside of or beyond Kaya. And that sentiment goes like this. Kaya is just too big. And Pastor Brandon needs to wise up and start peeling off 20 to 30 people and disperse them amongst the rest of the adult fellowships. That sentiment is alive and well at MBT. There are some adults who think like that. People get very interested in numbers, don't we? And the bigger something is, the more successful it appears to be. And if it's not that big, well then, I guess it really doesn't matter. I would dispute that for sure. Because the Bible says, despise not small things. So for some who hold that Kaya is too big sentiment, it's not fair for Kaya to have almost 300 people and the rest of the Sunday fellowships to not have not even close to that. Because again, if it's big, it's successful. If it's big, it's got to be better. If it's big, it's got to be working. So give us more people. Give us some of those people, Brandon. Like you, you need to wise up and just start pulling. Give us, just give us 15, just give us 20. That that mindset resembles this right here. It does. We want something to be given to us without us having to do the work to get it. So we don't want to win people, but just give us people. Consider 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Evangelism is work. I would say it's hard work. I would say it's very hard work for the people that we are typically interacting with at our age and stage of life. I understand that as people get older and they are unsaved, their heart toward the gospel only gets harder, which makes them harder to win. But it never excuses us 
from doing the hard work of evangelism. It just doesn't. So let me just tell you, if given the choice, if given the choice to have 20 new people from Kaya sitting in this room next week, or to have one sitting here next week that we won to Christ, I'll take the one every time. Lord, please give us the one. (laughs) It is hypocritical for some to cast stones at Kaya for being too big when they are faithfully doing the work of evangelism that many refuse to do. And we can't, you can't do that. <laughs> that's, that's, it's just hypocritical. It's not right. And, and hear this. Listen. The attendance in Kaya in terms of what happens on a Sunday is actually reflective of what is happening during the week with their Bible studies. Brandon told me somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of their visitors, before they ever land in this room, they start in one of their Bible studies. Their Bible studies are not built around LFBI students who sit in a room together preaching at each other or out preaching each other. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I, I do think it's critical. I, I think it's necessary. I think it's important for us to gather in our life groups and spend time in the Word of God and have sweet fellowship. I think that's important. I don't think that is insignificant. I really don't. But two of the main goals that I have made very clear to our life group leaders for our life groups is that we must pray for the lost and we must be accountable in evangelism. I've made this very clear. In praying for the lost, we pray for specific names on a regular basis. And we're either praying for open doors or we're praying for the doors that God has opened to us with respect to the, to the lost. And by being accountable in evangelism, what we're saying is, is this isn't something that we're just going to talk about and pray about. It's something that we're actually going to do. It's the work that we have to do. We have to be accountable. I really believe that for a lot of people who know the Bible so well, I think this is going to be an area at the judgment seat of Christ where they suffer loss. I have not been doing this for five minutes. So here's what I have seen over the years many, many, many times. I've seen this many times. Small groups who repeatedly meet for fellowship and Bible study without doing the work of evangelism slowly die. It's a slow and painful death 
And the same thing happens in independent, fundamental Baptist churches where people gather week after week, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and they they geek out on the Bible and they get really excited about what they know about the word of God and the cool, interesting, deep things of God. And they've got all kinds of wonderful notes in their Bible that are colored and all those sweet things. But what's happening in the background is the obituary of that church is being written. Why? Because they're not evangelizing. They're not making disciples. And I mean this is no disrespect whatsoever. They are aging. They're aging. And the church is shrinking. And they never say it. <laughs> but what the reality is, they're saying, you know what? Just can you can you can you show me something a little bit more interesting again? Is there anything you can you, you, you can point out that, that oh wow, I never saw that's so cool, interesting. And it's been years since they've had a testimony of salvation. Baptisms have all but ceased. And, and, here, and here, here's where it goes. Again, I've seen this movie uh, a time or two. What happens is, is whenever we refuse to do this work of evangelism, our focus always turns inward. It always turns inward. And when it turns inward, guess what the bottom line becomes? my expectations. So now what I'm thinking about when I, when I come to MBT or when I come to Life Fellowship or I go to my life group, I'm thinking about what I believe I'm owed. What, what I think it ought to be, what I, what I think about what I need. And if I'm not getting that, I become very hard to deal with and I become very hard to lead. Here's another observation. If we are not as intentional in our approach to evangelism as we are with Bible study and fellowship, we will never evangelize in our life groups. We'll talk about it. We'll even pray about it. But if we do not take the same intentional approach as we do to study in the Bible and enjoying our time together, we'll sit through a message like this and say to ourselves, I just wish he would hurry up and finish. Because this is just too uncomfortable. Again, I have not been doing this for five minutes. So let me just put everybody on notice. I'll just start with Sojo. I am not, <laughs> or if I am going to lead a life group, we'll do that once a month. 
Uh, We'll gather. (laughs) We'll have a good time in the word. We'll have a good time with each other. We'll eat good. We'll love each other. We'll pray. We'll, We'll do all that. But the other time that we would normally meet, we're going to devote that time to evangelism. We're going, to vote, we're going to devote that time to fishing, intentionally fishing. One of the problems for so many of us is that our schedules are so packed. We're so busy. We've got so much going on that, listen, we don't even have room for evangelism. between being so busy in ministry and running our children all over the city and running all these errands and doing all these things, and the whole time we're just zipping by lost people. As a matter of fact, they are in those same places that we're in. But we're so busy we can't even see them. Well, If as a life group, we dedicate one of our normal meetings to evangelism, then I think we just found time to evangelize, haven't we? So this is what I mean. You've got to be that intentional. And what we'll do is is because this is so hard and it's because so many of us just don't want to do it, we just give ourselves a pass. And there's there's this imaginary day that it's just going to surface one day where everything is going to align just right, and oh yeah, it'll be the perfect person, it'll be the perfect situation to open my mouth and go fishing. Let me know when that happens. Let me know when that happens. So what we do is we just keep, we just keep doing this thing where we just, it's week after week and month after month, and year after year. And nobody's brokenhearted over the lost. And everybody's given a pass. It's okay. Like, just, 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 just keep coming, and let's just keep doing this. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Knock yourself out. I do believe that we have to be that intentional. That might look like uh, doing some kind of volunteer work on that night, where you volunteer in your community, where you are with lost people, or maybe following up with people that you've planted gospel seeds with, or maybe you take a list of names and you write down, these are people that live in your neighborhood and you're going to trust God to have each one of those families over for dinner where you can sit down with them and tell them your story. So let me ask you, if given the choice, I mean, we're talking about Midtown Baptist Temple where you get expository preaching all the time, you get books of the Bible all the time, You get books of the Bible in here. You get books of the Bible in main service. You've got LFBI. You're not hurting for Bible. So let me ask you, if given the choice between 
gathering with my life group on a Thursday night versus having dinner with my neighbor on a Thursday night, I wonder which one I should do. That's a (laughs) no-brainer. Man, I'm going to see Sojo in Life Fellowship. I'm going to see him in main service. I'm going to see him at ACR. I'm going to see them once a month. No, I think I need to sit down and have dinner with Mike and Connie. Or with Samantha. Whatever it's going to look like, if what we're saying to the Lord is, is I respect how critical this is to you. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to intentionally fish. Do you think that's not going to be fruitful over time? You bet it's going to be. This is what I'm saying. Why, why wouldn't we do that? I mean, we are, when it comes to discipleship and missions, you talk about being intentional. Look around. <laughs> Look around. At one point, we had, what, over 100 missions trips in a year? I think that's fantastic. As a discipleship pastor, I can tell you, I look at the numbers all the time. At any given point, over, since the last four years, at any given time at MBT, we have over 200 people in what I would call the discipleship stream. That is people who are being discipled and people who are discipling. Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. But here's what I also look at (laughs) every single time when we have a new members class recognition, when we have foundations one or D1 recognitions or foundations two or three recognitions, I always ask myself, if you took Kaya out of the equation, what would that look like? That's the truth. That's the truth. There is a segment at MBT who's doing the hard work of evangelism. It's undeniable. And there is another segment that says, well, one of these days, I'm going to get to that. I don't mandate what you study in your life groups, nor do I say how you need to evangelize. I think think there are a number of ways and methods, and I say go for it. But I will say this. A lost person needs to be able to be a part of your life group at any given time, on any given day, and not feel like we're talking over their heads. Where they're sitting there and they're trying to say, man, I have no clue what these people are talking about. I'm one and done. I'm one and done. (laughs) Man, I I am so intimidated. I feel like an idiot. I, I have no idea. Next, I would say, I think how we evangelize is secondary to being intentional in evangelizing. 
I think if you're intentional, I think if your heart is set toward pleasing the Lord, I think how you go about that individually and corporately as a group, that's going to work itself out. Now, when you compare the attitude of the children of Joseph with the attitude of Caleb, you see a massive difference. Turn to Joshua chapter 15. If you were here Friday night, uh, you heard some of this. Uh, we're going to look at this a little uh, and, or in greater detail the next time we have our headship gathering. It was good to see a lot of you there Friday night, brothers. That was a good time. Caleb was the guy we looked at. Joshua 15, 13. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He gave a part among the children of Judah, so his inheritance, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, and Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Debir. And the name of Debir before was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it to him, will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. So in his old age, 85 at this time, Caleb wasn't murmuring and complaining and expecting something uh, to be given to him. He wasn't unwilling to do hard things. He was given the land, but unlike the children of Joseph, he was willing to go and take more land. I'm not asking you, Joshua, to give me anything. I'm thankful for what God gave me, but I see I can actually go get more. And he did. Here's a sad observation. As many believers age, they become unwilling to do hard, inconvenient, and unconventional things. This is a sad truth. As they age, if it's hard, if it's inconvenient, if it's unconventional, I just won't do it. If it's not comfortable, if it's not convenient, if it's not what we've always done, what we've always known, what's comfortable for us, what's safe for us, I'll pass. Appreciate your vision, appreciate all that, but I'm out. When you read the rest of the story, you realize that another issue for the children of Joseph was fear. It was fear. And that is probably the biggest reason that we don't evangelize fear. Fear. 
What are they going to say? What are they going to do? Paralyzed. As I look around this room every Sunday, that I am privileged to stand before you and teach the Word of God. But every Sunday, I look around this room and I see all these seats. Every Sunday. And I believe that it would be amazing to see these seats begin to get occupied with people that God used us to lead to Jesus Christ. I don't look around this room and think, boy, if Brandon just gave me 15 people from Kaya or another fellowship or people to join us from another church where they're disgruntled and mad and frustrated about stuff, because if that happens, all they're going to do is bring that here and it won't be long before they're mad and frustrated and disgruntled and complaining about whatever. Not interested in that at all. But here's the price tag. When I, when I look at these seats and I think about how amazing it would be for the Lord to put souls here that he used us to lead to Christ. And I think when you, if you think about that and you envision two, three, four, five, six, seven, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever that number is going to be, I, I think the thought of that ought to get you excited. So, man, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. But here's the price tag. We cry out every Friday morning at 630. Uh, we are faithful to MBT on Sundays at 9 and 1045. 9 o'clock here, 1045 there. It's not one or the other. It's both. Life fellowship is not a substitute for main service, and main service is not a substitute for life fellowship. We come together every Tuesday night to cry out to God. We pray for souls, we pray for the mission, we pray for kingdom things. We intentionally build evangelism into our lives and our life groups. And when Sam leads MBT to take weeks for prayer and fasting for souls, we take that very seriously. That's the price tag. God isn't just going to just... I mean, how many, how many people fish in the room? David, you're a fisherman. You're a fisherman, two Davids, a third David. Do you fish? We got three Davids that fish. How about that? Anybody else? Any any fishermen in the room? Just three? Oh, okay, Aaron. All right. How about this? All the fishermen in the house stand up. Can we do that just so we can see who you are? Come on, stand up. Let me see. Okay, all the fishermen. Okay, so I think I know who's going to be hanging out in, in their hangout group, right? All right, thank you, brothers. All right, very good. So, sir, let me ask you this. In all your years of fishing, have you ever like just had a fish just jump out of the lake and just jump into your boat 
and introduce himself and say, hey, here I am. Like, Still praying for it? Okay. All right. Is that going to be part of your prayer and fasting next time we do that? All right. No fish don't just knock on your door. Let me just save you a trip, bro. I just came to you today. No, we have to go where they are. We have to go get them. We have to go win them. We have to go get that wood. That's what it takes. And some of these things, like praying at 6.30, coming on a Tuesday night, dealing with the traffic, dealing with the cramped parking, some of that is just a little hard, isn't it? Some of it is a little inconvenient. So wait a minute, you mean, you're saying like your life group, you guys are just going to sacrifice a gathering? That's unconventional. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. I've heard Sam say many times, we don't want to just hold services. I agree with that. And you know what? I don't want to just hold class. And I don't want to just have life groups just to do that. I want the Lord to use life fellowship to Win people to Christ, baptize them, see them get discipled, and then see them join us to reproduce all that. But that's not cheap. That's not cheap. This is war. On point. On point. This is war. Who, man, that, that was, thank you, Lord. That was perfect. Everybody's good. Okay, all right. Yeah. Listen, I, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I've been doing this for a minute. Uh, undoubtedly, this will rub some people the wrong way. Something I said doesn't set right. And, but here's what I need you to understand, if you haven't figured this out by now. Um, when it comes to leading... I am always going to make decisions that I believe are in line with what God has shown me. And I'm going to do that unapologetically. I'll never apologize for that. But I also understand that that might not work for some people. I get it. One of the things that I've had to make peace with over the years when it comes to leadership is that I can only lead people as far as they will allow me to or as far as I need to. And when that time comes, I've come to recognize it and respect it. This is as far as you have allowed me to take you. I get it. Or this is as far as I can take you. I get it. But no matter what, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, I will always keep moving forward. 
I have to. So, if life fellowship is not for you, I get it. We're not the only Sunday fellowship at MBT. If this no longer fits for you, I understand. I don't have a copyright on anybody. God does. That is not to say I don't love you. I don't care about you. Not at all. Further from the truth. But if this is not for you, no problem. But we've got to do the hard work of evangelism. I, I, we have to. But if Life Fellowship is for you, then we're going to manage our expectations and we're going to do the hard work of evangelism if it's for you. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If it is for you, I'm going to ask you to join me in taking a clear faith position before the Lord. And this is going to be a drum or the drum that we're going to be beating from this moment for the next 12 months. Plead with God to win at least one soul to Christ and see them added to this fellowship by June 11th of 2024. Maybe God will give you five. Maybe he gives you 10. Maybe he gives you 20. But hey, just with just this crowd here this morning, and we're down. But if that was a reality in the life of everybody in this room, how different would Life Fellowship look a year from now? That's the faith position. When we go all in on that, managing our expectations gets much easier, and we all start fishing more regularly, don't we? And when those two things happen, this room starts to look more differently. I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Again, work with me. If you're here and you're saying, man, I'm moving forward with life. Praise the Lord. I needed to hear that. All right. This is our faith position. And if you could help me and saying, hey, man, you missed it. You got to make sure you get online and get that. I would so appreciate that. Lord, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for just giving me space to share my heart with your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.